here's the big question. You're interested in value investing and valuing and evaluating businesses on a deep level, but you don't know how, even after researching for hours, probably dozens of hours, hundreds of hours on the internet, and because nobody else shows you how to do it. This podcast has all those answers and much more about value investing and finance. My name is Jason Rivera. Welcome to Value Investing in Your Car. Hey, Jason here. In this episode of Value Investing in Your Car, I want to talk about, actually I want to step back a little bit from kind of the value investing related topics we normally talk about. Um, Kind of look at the bigger picture and answer the question, what is the ultimate goal when we value a business or investment of any kind? What is the ultimate goal that we're trying to figure out? Um, Why do I want to talk about this? Because many value investors, probably most value investors that I've ever talked to, including myself, is a bit of a finance nerd. We love numbers. We love analyzing things. We love analytics. Um... We love ratios. We love looking at all these kind of things um, to get a kind of bigger picture uh, idea of where what we think about the company. Um, we do that via valuations, via looking at the company's cash flow production, via looking at things like ROIC and operating margin, and on and on and on. Um, so. Today, I want to talk about kind of again back up a little bit and talk about the bigger picture because, as well, I only speak for myself here, um, when I'm analyzing a company, sometimes I specifically when I'm doing TEV and um, owners' earnings calculations, which involve a lot of numbers, a lot of uh, a lot of numbers, um, a lot of research in some cases, specifically when it comes to the owners' earnings and thinking a lot specifically about the numbers. I still to this day, almost 12 years, probably 12 more plus years into my own investing journey, still get bogged down at times um, when I'm calculating these numbers. Why? Because again, they, when you're dealing with the numbers, it's a lot of minutia, um, especially when you're dealing with calculations that are a little bit more in depth like TEV and owner's earnings. So what helps me kind of figure out if I am getting bogged down in the minutia and I'm getting frustrated or whatever the situation may be. Maybe I just am spending too much time on the calculation and thinking about it too much, frankly. Um, something that helps me is to kind of step back a little bit and remember what I'm doing with the individual number or what I'm trying to figure out with the individual calculation. Um, in the case of total enterprise value, trying to figure out, um, it helps me to step back and think I'm trying to figure out what the entire company is worth as of today based on its market cap, cash, debt, total obligations like operating leases, pensions, um, deferred tax assets, deferred uh, deferred tax liabilities, um, short-term and long-term investments, these kind of things. Helps me to step back and kind of think that one number, while all of the numbers while important, you have to remember the kind of ultimate goal in mind when you're trying to figure it out. And again, it helps me to step back and kind of think about, I'm doing this entire calculation to figure out what I as a potential, potentially full business owner, as if I was looking to buy the company today, what is a kind of a fair price for the company based off of those numbers. <clears throat> Same thing with owner's earnings. Um, 
you're dealing with things like um, changes in working capital, um, changes in inventory, changes in accounts receivable, um, all these kind of things, especially the calculation for changes in working capital from year to year is frankly it's convoluted and it's hard to do and it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of kind of thinking and you have to dig into the numbers a lot so especially and even I had this one time when I was doing it live with a student um, with one of my I believe it's a $10,000 coaching student we were going through an owner's earnings calculation and example step by step line by line word by word and even I as I was teaching somebody I had to re remind myself, I had to step back, I had to, re I had to tell him, I was like, okay, because we were getting kind of bogged down in the numbers. Um, <clears throat> I even told him, I was like, let's step back and let's remember what we're doing here. So I asked him, what are we doing here? Owner's earnings, what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out, essentially, owner's earnings is the amount of capital you could take out of the company if you own the entire company. That's essentially what owner's earnings is. It's a way to kind of figure out if I would own the entire company the amount of capital I could take out of the company. That's essentially what it is. To either reinvest or buy another asset or um, do whatever, do whatever where I wanted with. Essentially at that basic level, that's what owners or earnings are. But the calculation again is very convoluted, um, <clears throat> very complex and there's a lot to think about, a lot to kind of make sure you're doing correctly. Um, again, I stepped back as I was going through that session because I could feel myself getting frustrated and told him, okay, let's step back, let's think about this. Are we doing things conservatively? The answer was yes in that case. So we kind of, even though we probably didn't have the exact correct answers, we were in the conservative side of things. Um, so it gave us a margin of safety if we were wrong. So we kind of stepped back. Did we answer the question? Or did we uh, get to the number that answered the question of the amount of money we could take out of the company? Yes. And again, since it was on the conservative side, even though it was probably far more conservative than the correct owner's earnings calculation, at least there was a margin of safety there. Um, anytime I do anything like this, <clears throat> if, if I don't, I'm a big believer in the saying, I'd rather be, um, um, uh, vaguely right than precisely wrong by uh, I believe it's uh, John Maynard Keynes who said that I'd rather be um, vaguely right than precisely wrong as long as I'm on the side of conservatism in my calculations and I remember the kind of big picture thing I'm fine with if I get the numbers slightly off I'm fine with that um, now I'm always conservative in my numbers always conservative in my estimations if you are a person that is um, kind of optimistic in your optimization in your uh, observations this could be a problem um, but in my case I'm already super conservative in my estimates and calculations and I'm always on the side of conservatism so even if my numbers are wrong they're wrong in the wrong direction and we have an even better uh, margin of safety than we thought we did uh, or in the case of valuation if I'm wrong in the valuation um, there may be more potential upside in the valuation than I initially kind of think um, because I'm I'm such a conservative value investor um, and I always want a giant as big of a margin of safety as I possibly can so um, I hope that makes sense uh, this is probably a little bit more artsy and 
theoretical than I normally talk about, but it's an important concept, um, especially when you're getting bogged down in the numbers, because again, I've been doing this for 12 years and I still get bogged down in the numbers and it helps me to kind of step back and think about the kind of bigger picture I'm trying to work towards, the goal I'm trying to work towards. This is one goal, for example, the TEV calculation. I'm trying to find out is the company overvalued or undervalued based on this one metric. Um, essentially is what I'm doing there. Does that kind of fit into my other investment thesis uh, uh, processes and thought processes and all that kind of stuff? Does it fit with my other valuations? Um, is there something missing? Um, stepping back helps me think about all this. Uh, and again, I, the reason I'm talking about this today is because if you're anything like me, and I know many of you are because I've talked to many of you either kind of informally over the years, um, or formally, whether you're a student or a client or whatever, um, I know we tend to get bogged down in the numbers on occasion or quite a bit, uh, depending on kind of our personality, to be frank, um, and how analytical we are and how much we love the numbers. Um, and I'm one of those people that loves numbers, love an loves analytics. I can spend... I look at my marketing, uh, here's a kind of a real world example. I, I learned marketing kind of on a deep, on a very deep level a year, starting about a year, year and a half ago. I look at my analytics every day and there are so many different ways to look at analytics when it comes to marketing and how you could be doing things better and where you can improve those kind of things. Same thing with investing that I can literally spend all day looking at numbers and get nothing done. Um, same thing with value investing and some of the metrics I already talked about, valuations, the owner's earnings, the TV calculations. You can literally spend all day calculating everything and not really accomplish much because you're just stuck in the mindset of the numbers. Yes, the numbers are important. And again, I'm an analytics nerd and finance nerd, so I love the numbers. But you have to think about the bigger picture of what the numbers actually mean for the investment thesis, for the investment thesis or your investment kind of thought process, <coughs> valuation, um, investment analysis, all this kind of stuff. So I hope this helps helps you realize that you're not alone if you suffer with this like I do. Um, <laughs> and I hope it kind of, this uh, this process I go through of stepping back when I start to get frustrated with something um, helps me. So I hope it helps you as well. And that's why I'm sharing with this with you today. Uh, if you found this of value, make sure to watch our other value investing in your car episodes, which include things like the three most useless or the four most useless uh, investing metrics, the three most useful investing metrics, um, book reviews. I answer the question, uh, when does value investing work best? Where does value investing work best? Those kind of things in this series. If you want to watch our other series, we have a case study series. We have free training videos. We have uh, a series where I give my thoughts on topics like retirement plans, cryptocurrencies, gold and silver, those kind of things. Um, those should be left, right, below, depending on where you're watching this. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, love, share, subscribe, and comment below. I'd love to hear your comments on this topic below, especially if you suffer with this or this helped in some way. Uh, make sure, if you did like this video, to subscribe and hit the bell so you're notified anytime we release a new video. We're over 350 videos at this point, um, and we're continuing to make more and more every day. Uh, so make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you're notified anytime we release a new video. Um, hey, sorry about that. I cut off my phone call. Um, last thing I was going to say, thanks for watching. I appreciate you watching. Um, and I'll see you in the next video. Have a good day. Bye.